Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning and welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. I'm your host, Liz Drabeck. I'll be with you for the next 30 minutes. This week's Spotlight is on the Baltimore Station. And to tell you all about it is their Director of Development and Communications, Miss Kim Caleri. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Wonderful. Thank oh, you for having me. Great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm very happy to have you virtually because, of course, we are pandemic safe and I want to hear about what the Baltimore Station has done in the pandemic. But let's start with the basics. Kim, what is the Baltimore Station? So the Baltimore Station, we are a residential uh, treatment program and also offer community-based programs for homeless veterans uh, who are recovering from chronic substance use disorder and also mental health challenges. So what I found fascinating is I was going through your website, www.baltimorestation.org, was you didn't start out this way. Do you mind going through how it started and how you've transformed? Sure, sure. So we were founded um, 32 years ago um, by three volunteers that lived, um, that were from the South Baltimore community, which is where our um, primary facility is. And people noticed, you know, they just started um, handing out blankets um, and food, you know, to people in the area. And as time went on, they noticed that a lot of the people that were coming through asking for help were veterans. So at the time, um, you know, a group of folks got together and um, put a grant, you know, a significant grant together and then got funding through the VA. And then so then we were able to really, you know, go from a shelter, which is what we started out as, to a true residential clinical program um, to help these veterans, you know, get off the street and get into a program that's going to help them lead a life of recovery. Um, you know, we have been very, um, as the organization continues to grow, we've been very purposeful um, to make sure that volunteers still stay a very core part um, of our mission and of our programming because that's that's how we started out, just by a couple of folks in the community who saw who saw a need and jumped on it. What a transformation. And I have a million more questions, but let's continue yeah. with the basics before I, I get too eager. eager. Um, so obviously it seems veteran specific, but do you mind outlining exactly who can receive services at the Baltimore station? Yes. So in order to receive services, you do have to be, we serve men only. Um, we are excited though that through our community-based programs, which are outpatient and intensive outpatient, uh, we will be able to serve female veterans. Um, we're still kind of working through, 
Right, I know, because um, unfortunately there are not a lot of organizations um, for female veterans right now. Um, but I'm happy to say, you know, especially in Baltimore, um, the service providers know there's a need. So I'm hoping that as time goes on, we will see more and more services available. But so hopefully um, we just, like I said, have to get through some of the details and everything. But we are hoping to be able to offer services to female veterans before the end of this year, which is very, very exciting. So but that aside, um, so to get to come into our program, you need to be a male. You need to be homeless. Um, you have to be 18 years of age. Um, you can't have any type of arson charge or any, um, you know, sexual, um, like with children or anything like that. So any charges uh, with that. But And then you need substance use disorder, and that could be drugs or alcohol. And they come into our program, and they can stay with us in the clinical program for up to two years. And okay. they really, yeah, they stay with us and just get all the tools that they need to lead a life of recovery. And that is so fantastic. First of all, that we just broke some news that you're looking into admitting women. And then yeah. I, I just can't get over the getting them on their feet and getting them set. And I, I'll have some questions more about the tools and the resources. But let's okay. say you're a homeless male veteran. What do you yep. need to do? Like, do you just walk in the front door? Do you make a phone call? And then once they've arrived at your doorstep, Kim, what happens yep. next? Okay, great question. So, um, unfortunately, they can't just walk through the door, although they can, you know, if they happen to come to our facility, we obviously um, help them. But fifty more than 50% of our referrals are through the Veterans Administration. So, they're social, okay. social workers, they're case managers. Um, we also then get, uh, we kind of cross-refer with other providers in the city. So, they might have someone in their program that's not a fit, but they know they'll fit with the Baltimore station. Um, okay. So we have, an, we have an outreach coordinator who is actually a graduate of our program who's just oh, amazing. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, no, he, he, is, he is a man like we have to force him to take a vacation because he just, <laughs> if, he, if he can help one person a day, a week, a month, whatever, he just wants to be out there and help. So... Um, so he is actually uh, works very closely, too, with the different hospitals in the area, especially the emergency departments, um, because, you know, a lot of folks, unfortunately, will go to the ER um, continuously. And from what I understand, some of the emergency departments uh, will get a financial penalty if the same person keeps showing up in the ER. So we have actually formed partnerships with um, the hospitals so that, Oh, wow. You know, if they have kind of a frequent flyer visiting the ER, they can call our outreach coordinator, and then he can take it from there. So um, we also have people who, um, on our website, we have a, you know, if folks are, have access to a computer or through the library, uh, they can actually go on our website, fill out a very brief form that goes right to our outreach coordinator, and then he can get in touch you know, with the veteran. And the cool thing is, is that we actually will take a veteran from anywhere in the country. So, oh, wow. Yeah, which, which really differentiates us from other providers. Um, we can, yeah. and, we, and we actually work very closely, too, with the local VA where this veteran is coming from in case there are transportation costs or issues. 
um, you know, some of the fundraising that we do helps in that instance. So and we've had, gosh, we just had a man come from Texas on a bus. <laughs> so I can't even what? how long. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll step in and, and just work, you know, work with the local VA to make sure that, that he gets here. And usually James, our outreach coordinator is the guy, um, you know, picking up at the bus station and then getting him, um, getting him right into the program. And typically, um, somebody can be in our program usually within 24 hours. Oh, wow. That is a remarkable turnaround. Yes. Yep. Yep. So James, the outreach coordinator does everything. He does all the paperwork, really just tries to get, to get as much done so that they can get into, into treatment. Okay, so let's say the man from Texas shows up. What happens next? So then he just, um, he'll go through, he's assessed. Um, so our outreach coordinator will assess him, and then actually um, he will be assigned a case manager. And that case manager is the person that this, um, this client will work with until he graduates from the Baltimore station. So they just do a series of different tests and questions, and the ultimate goal of this is to really find out like what is this what is this person's long-term goal you know are they okay. looking to get a job are they looking to sorry, a dog here um are they looking to reunite with their families um and they actually put a contract together and the case manager signs the contract and so does the resident so that contract is what is reviewed typically once once a week um, goes into their file, and that's what they refer back to uh, quite a bit. And as time goes on, you know, adjustments are made. If um, because once men get into treatment, um, and obviously these the men that we work with um, have pretty much by the time they get to us have hit rock bottom. Um, I was so just thinking a, they'd have to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of issues and demons that have to be untangled. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. And a lot of and that's, yeah, and that takes time. So going back yeah. to the and kind of what their goals are, you know, they may adjust that as time goes on and and things are learned both by our clinical team but also by the client. Um, and we just really, you know, a big a big one of our big philosophies is that it we're client centered. So we want to make sure we're not just sitting there telling the client this is what you need. We want to okay. we work with them to make sure that what we're providing to them is what they need, is what they think they need. Um, and it's been, it's worked. It's worked for 33 years. So um, that yeah. is remarkable. Yeah. I guess heartbroken as I'm prone to be while you're outlining this to see that, yeah. that glimmer of hope and, and to know that the goals can change. Because I would imagine that, you know, what they want on the first day may not be what they want six months, 18 months, two years down the line. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when, when they're with us, which is very cool and, again, differentiates us from other providers, is that we try and expose them to activities um, that will replace their negative behavior. So, for instance, sure. our guys all participate in, we do yoga, we have drama, oh. we have a uh, music therapy class that we do with Towson University. Um, oh, wow. We have a former um, Navy captain who comes in and does letter writing every week with the men. So, exposing them to activities that definitely tie back to recovery 
but also yeah. just expose them to things that they can do. You know, even when they graduate from our program, they can still, you know, participate in an online yoga class or music therapy. Um, and we've really seen through the years that this this helps on multiple fronts uh, with the recovery. I would imagine that the hobbies would keep them busy while they're with you, but then it gives them something to explore when they leave. So what are your aftercare programs like? Like, how do you keep tabs on your, so your our, veterans that have graduated? So our aftercare program, um, we actually have a pretty active alumni group. Um, and I unfortunately, it was very active until the pandemic. Um, okay. So it's, we, we haven't, I should take a step back, um, we have not had visitors, volunteers, or anyone in our facility. Uh, it'll be a year on March 13th. So, oh, um, we yeah, so we haven't, like, our, a lot of our alumni live in the neighborhood, and we'll just stop by for dinner. Um, I think we're looking into, once we get back and kind of into whatever normal is, uh, we're going to have them come in and maybe yeah. lead a group. Um, but one thing we are also um, exploring and got funding for is it's called psychiatric rehabilitation. And that will actually allow us, when somebody graduates, it will allow us to go into their home for up to five years oh. and check on them. Yeah, just check and make sure they have food in the refrigerator, they're paying their bills, they're doing their laundry, they're showing up for work, kind of all, everything that they worked on while they were with us at the station, we will now be able to send somebody into their home uh, to check on them. But again, that's, we were all geared up, ready to go, pandemic hit, so this is something that we will reintroduce once we're kind of through through this whole situation. Talking to Kim Clary, the Director of Development and Communications at the Baltimore Station. You can visit the Baltimore Station's website, baltimorestation.org. It's a facility that helps homeless veterans from all across the country. It's not uh, exclusive to Marylanders. and just seems like an incredible resource for the rehabilitation and the recovery um, of, of male veterans and ult- uh, eventually, uh, fingers crossed, females. So you mentioned the pandemic what happened almost a year ago today? What, how did you, what did you do? That's just like a big sigh. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> a big sigh. Uh, well, we got ahead of it as much as we could. We started talking to um, some former, um, some former military folks in like January and February uh, just started looking at protocols that we can put in place, you know, because obviously the ultimate goal is still today is to keep the staff and the residents safe and then to also keep them engaged in their treatment. So we went through a series of lock-ins where, you know, the men literally were only allowed to leave the facility if they had a medical appointment um, or if they had to go to work. So, yeah, so we had um, a couple of outbreaks. Uh, We had one at the end of October that really impacted the staff. Um, and also the residents. So, and ironically, it was the same week as our chili kickoff fundraiser. <laughs> so, um, no, my, my staff and I were all quarant- I mean, we were all quarantined. But um, so that that threw a big, you know, very big challenge into us executing this big virtual event. But it all worked out great. But at that point, you know, my boss, our executive director, was like, we, we need to, we got to look at this and, and find an alternative, at least throughout the pandemic. So 
we worked very closely with the Crown Plaza in Baltimore and negotiated a really good rate. Uh, we got approval from the VA and then moved, literally moved our operations from both, oh. from both West Baltimore and South Baltimore to the Crown Plaza. And our guys have Stop been, it. Yeah, they, the Crown Plaza has been wonderful. I mean, they gave us. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Gave us meeting rooms. Um, and then that way our men could, you know, they have their own room and their own bathroom and they could, you know, go through this and not be in a dorm type setting. Um, so everybody had their own indivi- individual space. And what we did too, which was very cool, is that um, any of those activities that I talked about earlier, you know, yoga, drama, and all that, we just, um, is now it's all remote, all via Zoom. So we have meeting rooms set up at the Crown Plaza with drums, and um, and the men have been oh. able to, yeah, it's been really, it's been very cool to watch. You know, we had to scramble a little bit because we didn't have laptops, you know, for all of the case managers and we didn't have all the equipment, but um, thankful, you know, very thankful to some funding that we got, you know, through the mayor's office of homeless services and other entities. We were able to go out and get laptops for everybody and it's been working tremendously since then. Um, but I'm happy to say that the first group of men um, are moving back to our West Baltimore facility this first week of March, and then the rest of the group uh, moving back to South Baltimore will be in mid-March. So everybody will be back back home by the end of March. This is the most uplifting thing I've heard. I mean, what a terrible problem, but what a heartwarming solution. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. I like that. Yes. <laughs> but thank God, that must have been an absolute scramble. Um, Kim, tell me, how did you become involved with the Baltimore Station? So I, um, I actually, it'll be 10 years in May, which is crazy how quickly time goes by. Hey. Um, but one of my, um, one of my neighbors, one of my very good friends, uh, used to be on the board. And so this position became available years ago. And he told me about it because at that time I was just doing some consulting. Uh, in the area and didn't have any fundraising experience and but I you know interviewed got the job and uh yeah and the rest is history <laughs> so yeah and almost 10 years been, later yeah yeah it's it's been a wonderful learning experience on so many levels but more importantly it just it's a great feeling at the end of every day you know you put your head on your pillow and you're like okay like I I'm making a difference um, for people, you know, for men who fought for our country and I'm able to go out and do the oh. things I do because of them. So um, it's it's a great, great place to be. It really is. That's tremendous. And it's remarkable that, that you're able to do that and, you know, be get back to the community while being part of the community. You mentioned yeah. fundraising. So now I bet you're a veteran pro at fundraising. You mentioned your chili cook-off, realizing that was a virtual event. How did that go this year? Um, it went great. It went great. We, um, you know, like everyone else last year, we really, and this year too, uh, we really had to pivot yeah. and just kind of be creative and think of, because we still had to raise money. And we wanted to keep the chili cook-off, especially um, last year was our sixth year, so it's still fairly a new event. And we had a lot of really great momentum um, 2019 especially, so we were all really excited for last year. 
Um, and then the pandemic hit, but we ended up, you know, again, pivoting and people were able to purchase their chili kits and did their tasting at home. And we did a live show and it, it was great. And we ended up raising, I mean, not as much as we would during a live event or an in-person event, but we definitely raised, um, raised what we needed to, which was great. And I'm looking at the Baltimore Station's Twitter page at Be More Station. You guys did another virtual event. You did a virtual bingo. Yeah, we just did that actually last week with a couple. So yeah, um, as I said, uh, our volunteers have not been able to uh, have not been in our facility since March 13th, and volunteers actually provide at least 50% of our food. Um, but then annually, but then they also provide um, a great a great source of recovery for the men. And I say that because most people volunteer with us. They start with coming in and serving a meal. And so they'll come in, serve a meal. They can either cook in our kitchen, they can cook off site and just warm it up at our facility, or they can cater or really whatever is the easiest uh, for the volunteer group. But they'll come in, they serve the men, and then the best part, though, is once they're done serving, they actually, the volunteers actually sit down and have dinner or breakfast with the men. So oh, that sounds great. It really, and people can bring their children, and it really becomes, it, it's awesome for the men's self-esteem uh, because here you go, you know, you've got groups coming in, serving breakfast at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and the men are like, these people are here for us? And we're like, yes, they're here for you. So they feel important. Um, they start to form bonds because we have a lot of groups who come monthly. So they get to know the men okay. and get to know them. And it just really becomes, it's just a great place of community. And um, so bingo happened because the volunteers have been clamoring for ways to stay involved with us because we still can't have them in the facility. So someone came up with the virtual bingo idea and it was great. You know, the guys were at the hotel and there was a bunch of us on Zoom and um, it was an hour and that hour translated into many, many, many benefits for all of us. Oh, (laughs) well, I would imagine there's already an isolation when you're in like a homeless skewered yeah. program then you've got you know the center for the homeless your entire life is upended because now you're dealing with the pandemic you have the outbreaks so i can't like you take all of that isolation and all of these circumstances yeah. and then you know to be able to come together on zoom and to give them that community kim that's remarkable they just must have needed it in their soul yes yeah that's a great yes and and just to see you know, again, to see their faces and just how excited they were, you know, just to play bingo. But again, you're right. It's just like getting (laughs) back into, you know, a group and getting to see people. And the one thing that we were worried about when when we first went to the hotel is like, how are we going to get everyone back? Like, who's going to want to leave their own room and bathroom and TV? But (laughs) yeah, right. We found though the last two weeks that they're they're ready to come back. And to your point about isolation, is a lot of it because when they're at the Baltimore station, it, it's community again. It's the community coming in, but it's also a very close knit community within. And the men look out for each other. They'll sit out front and play cards. They'll you know they they're just together, and they've been missing that 
at the hotel. I mean, they have, they still do their groups yeah. and things, but the socialization and just kind of hanging out, sure. um, they haven't been able to do that. And again, they haven't been really able to kind of watch each other either. So, um, so they're, they're excited. Like they're excited to come back. So needless to say, we are, we are too. It's, it's been way too quiet for, for a long time. Yeah. So, oh, I, I bet. Uh, and to, to yeah. restore, you know, any sort of normalcy and uh, the routine, we're winding down time-wise, and I'm just now getting to asking you, you have another event in April. Can you tell me what's coming up, Kim? Yeah. So um, this is our 29th annual home run for recovery, um, which actually got canceled last year because of the pandemic. It's always in April. So um, this year we're going virtual. Um, we're hoping that next year for our 30th anniversary uh, for this event, we'll be able to do it in person. Uh, but this year, we're actually doing an online concert, uh, and we're working with four local musicians or four local groups, uh, and they are they're going to put on a concert. And also, so you're going to have great music, but then we're also, we've partnered with the 206 Restaurant Group, and they are going to provide cocktails and appetizers for two for each each concert so we have a country we have a country band pop motown and i cannot any classic rock so before each so say the class it's time for the classic rock group before that the chef will come on and explain you know the appetizer and the cocktail that are paired to that specific music genre and people will purchase their kits ahead of time. We're going to have a pickup uh, probably um, in the city where people will pick up their, their food and drinks the day before, you know, come home that day, April 22nd from 6 to 8 p.m. They'll have a special link that they click on, and literally all they have to do is just sit there, watch, listen to great music, um, and enjoy great drinks and food all for the Baltimore Station. And then we also have a silent auction uh, that is running in conjunction uh, with the live event. So that's, you know, when we do the event in person, we do a big live auction, silent auction. So we kept the silent auction portion of it. And this year we're really focusing on local experiences and um, like trips to Ocean City, Deep Creek, and really trying to support too our local restaurants and um, so it's a, it's a lot going on on April 22nd. <laughs> that is a spectacular, and I love the pairing of the food and that you made uh, that an option to get your food and then, you know, you settle in for the concert the next day. Kim, how do yeah. people get tickets? Okay, so you go to our website, uh, baltimorestation.org backslash events, and you click on there and it'll take you to, you know, to purchase your tickets. And tickets are $150, um, and that's full access to the concert, food, and drinks. And, again, that's for two people. Uh, veterans are 125 and then if people just want to listen to the concert, uh, that's $20. And all of that information is on the website. And that website again is be more, or I'm sorry, uh, the Baltimore station.org on Twitter. They're at be more station. We've been talking to Kim Caleri, the director of development and communications for the Baltimore station. Kim, thank you so much for your time. This has been illuminating. Uh, thank you for your service to the community. I'm so happy that you're involved with this and thank you very much for this opportunity and 
um, and just for, for helping us share in that space. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been our pleasure. This has been a production of Entercom Baltimore.